Hello, my rebels. I was so disappointed to learn that Aaron O'Toole fired his Yukon candidate, who looked like a really good candidate, candidate who lost by just 150 votes last time and looked like he was going to win this time. And he fired him for the strangest reason. I can't even believe it. I'll tell you about that reason, and I'll tell you my thoughts on it. Uh, on today's podcast. But before I do, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of this podcast. I think it really adds a lot of value. We we put some effort into the visuals, as you know. Uh, I'm just sorry you have to look at me for most of the video, but the other stuff is lookable. Um, but besides getting my video, you get Sheila Gunn-Reed, David Menzies, Andrew Chapados. They have shows every week. My show's every day. But you also support Rebel News because it's eight bucks a month just go to Rebel News and click on subscribe. It's eight bucks a month, and that's how we pay our bills here. That and crowdfunding is all it is for us. We don't take a dime from Justin Trudeau, so please consider helping us that way. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, Aaron O'Toole fires a candidate for expressing concern about forced vaccine passports. Is that really the conservative position? It's August 13th, and this is the Ezra LeVant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon yeah. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say is government will buy publishing is because it's my bloody right to do so. I love the Yukon. I recommend you visit it at least once in your life. You can get there by plane, which is the fastest, by car from BC, which is the prettiest, I think, and by ship, including, including cruise ships that dock in Skagway, Alaska. And then it's a short trip over to the Yukon. That's the most adventurous. That's how the gold rush went in. Uh, I've had the good fortune in my life to visit Yukon all three ways. So lovely and pretty rugged, and pretty natural. And if you're out there, it's a choice, I think to be away from the big city. I mean, sure, they're high tech too. They're on cell phones and satellite phones and the internet and everything, but you can't get coverage everywhere without a satellite phone. And that's part of the point, I think, of the Yukon lifestyle. It's a bit more natural. If your idea of a good time is going to a Starbucks to take an Instagram photo of your cappuccino, you might not like the Yukon way. I haven't been there in the past year, but I bet they haven't got as caught up in the COVID-19 mania as the big cities have, because the mania is media-driven, especially social media. And I think it's a big city thing, because in big cities, I think you're more afraid of strangers. You don't know everyone you meet. A small town, you're comfortable with people because you probably know them personally. Even in the biggest city there, Whitehorse. So just because Teresa Tam or some other politician in some press conference thousands of miles away tells you to panic about being close to people. If you know everyone in town, you're probably not gonna take her advice. She's the stranger, not your neighbors in a small town. I just get the feeling that panic and mania are more of a big city thing than a country living thing. I tell you this because I think Jonas Smith, the conservative party candidate in the Yukon until he was fired yesterday, I think he's probably a pretty typical Yukoner. Here's how he describes himself on his own website. Jonas is professionally known in the Yukon as an advocate for the territory's responsible mining industry and for his volunteer work with the Every Student, Every Day Student Attendance Charity. 
as well as his decades of experience in the hospitality industry and arts community. He's a third-generation Yukoner, used to work for the Premier there. I have to say, he looks and sounds like a pretty great candidate. Uh, he served on the Conservative Party's National Council, so he's no neophyte. In fact, and how painful must this have felt, um, in the last election, federally, in 2019, Jonas lost by just over 150 votes to the Liberal. So close. And that Liberal MP just announced he's retiring, so he's not running again this year. So I have to think that Jonas Smith had a pretty good chance of winning in the Yukon. He came within a percent of winning last time, and the winner's retiring. I think Jonas is the man to beat, but he was sacked yesterday by Aaron O'Toole. O'Toole must have met him, or at least dealt with him electronically, since he was on the party's national council. So what did this guy do or say that was so bad? Well, I'll tell you. Here's a story from the Yukon News. Yukon Conservative Party candidate booted from position due to vaccine views. Smith said he was told the reason for his disallowment was his opposition to calls for implementation of mandated workplace vaccinations and vaccine passport requirements in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. He phrased it really well, Jonas Smith did, at least I think he's, he did. Listen, I believe in standing up for the rights of all minorities, including those of the unvaccinated, be it for medical, religious, or personal reasons, and that our country needs less discrimination, not more, continued Smith. Generations of Canadians have fought for our Section 15 charter rights, as well as freedom of choice when it comes to matters of bodily autonomy. And these proposed vaccine uh, vaccination-related restrictions will vastly alter what kind of country our children will inherit, he said. Smith said mandatory vaccines will create a two-tiered society. Well, that's all true. And I think it's very well said. Now, here's the thing. There are no vaccine passports yet in Canadian law, at least not yet. Some universities have brought them in, though all the ones I've looked at so far have exemptions for medical reasons or other reasons too. The province of Quebec says it's going to bring in a vax passport, but they haven't filled out the details yet. It's not a thing yet. But there is no federal vax passport, nor a Yukon one. And even that control freak, Theresa Tam, hasn't called for one yet. And she's about as authoritarian as they come. I think the public has to know this is one of the worst case scenarios in terms of an infectious disease outbreak in that their cooperation is sought. If there are people who are non-compliant, there are definitely uh, laws and, and public health um, powers that can quarantine people in mandatory settings. It's potential you could track people, put bracelets on their uh, arms, have police and other setups to ensure quarantine is undertaken. So there's no vaccine passport. Even the Liberals haven't called for one yet. They might well do so, I fear they will, but they even, even they haven't had the audacity to do it yet. I bet they're gonna wait till after the election is over. Uh, this thoughtful candidate for the Conservatives in the Yukon thoughtfully talks about protecting minorities and not segregating us as society. And he's sacked from running as a Conservative candidate, just fired, told he's not in anymore, just, just done. Here's how Trudeau's CBC state broadcaster reported it. Conservatives drop UConn candidates citing opposition to public health guidelines. 
A party spokesman says Smith doesn't support certain public health guidelines. But, but that's, that's another CBC lie, isn't it? Because that's not what a vaccine passport is. It's, it's not a guideline. It would be a rule, an order, a legal requirement. That's how the term is used. And you can see in Smith's comments, that's what he's worried about, the force of law, the forced outcome, segregation, discrimination, not guidelines. So what is Conservative Party policy on the question? Are they for vaccine passports? Are they for vaccine passports and also for banning criticism of vaccine passports? Or for vax passports and for banning criticism criticism of them and for banning even a discussion of them before the rules are even set? That's quite some ban. It's a ban about talking about bans. I think this Jonas Smith was onto something when he worried about the Charter of Rights. Speaking of which, look at this from the Globe and Mail. Debate on vaccine passports would expose Quebecers to conspiracy theories, Legault says. So Quebec is bringing in a vax passport, but no debate is allowed? Democracy is on hold for the pandemic, apparently. Democracy is on lockdown because, get this, quote, I don't want certain people, whom I won't name, to come explain that there's a conspiracy. It's not good to be vaccinated, that in the end we're putting a microchip in people's arms to follow what they're doing. Stories like that, Legault said in Saguenay, Quebec, North Quebec City. I don't think we need that in Quebec. Got it. So someone you won't name, you're afraid that they're going to accuse you of being a tyrant in a goofy way with a microchip. So you will, in fact, be a tyrant in a real way by banning all debate. That's what I'm worried about. Not a microchip, by the way. I'm worried about a guy banning democracy. I mean, whoever's worried about microchips, I'm not sure if banning debates about it, microchips or not, is going to allay their fears. Banning a debate to stamp out conspiracy theories is that like thinking kerosene will put out a fire. I'm guessing the conspiracy theories will grow. Here's what the Parti Québécois said. This is not a banal measure that we want to put in place and will deprive a certain number of our fellow citizens of the rights to which we are accustomed, PC health critic Joel Arsenault said in an interview Thursday. This is why we believe that we must analyze all the ins and outs of a measure like this one to ensure that it is used in the fairest and most equitable way. The Parti Québécois, Arsenault said, wants to know when the passport system would end. Ooh, that's a good question, isn't it? When will it end? That's a very real question. Uh, The lockdowns haven't ended. The two weeks to flatten the curve is coming up on two years now. I think I know the answer to the question, when will the vax passports end? And I think the answer is never. I think. I think the vax passports are the camel with its nose in the tent, and then everything will be loaded on these vax passports. Not just COVID-19, but everything. All your health information. All your politics, your finances, your freedoms, because that's how China does it with their social credit system. Dear passengers, people who travel without tickets or behave disorderly or smoke in public areas will be punished according to regulations and the behavior will be recorded in the individual credit information system. To avoid any negative record of personal credit, Please follow the relevant regulations and help with the orders on the train and at the station. Yeah, when will this VAX passport end? 
or is there no end in sight? Is it like the temporary income tax just till we beat the Kaiser in the Great War? Does it end? Sorry we can't talk about that, but it, because it might lead to conspiracy theories. There is one political leader in Quebec who is worried about all this, Conservative Party leader Eric Duhem, whose party gained its first member of the legislature uh, when Claire Sampson joined him in June after she was ejected from Legault's Coalition Avenir Quebec. Told reporters in Quebec City he had received two doses of a vaccine but doesn't support the passport system. Duhem said he has received more than 130,000 digital signatures on an online anti-passport petition that was posted on his website. You know, Eric Duhem, who's a friend of our show, had a press conference yesterday at the legislature in Quebec, and he invited our Quebec reporter, Alexa Lavoie. And she went, but security wouldn't let her in. Now, he told her to come. It was his press conference. She went. Security kept her out, saying she wasn't accredited. But by whom? Uh, she was invited. Security gave her a phone number to call, and, and no one answered it. Hey, guys, no conspiracy theories allowed. Little tidbit, I, I follow some conservatives on Twitter, of course, including a few senators I like. I like Senator Judith Seidman, and uh, she tweeted something that asked, I thought, a good question uh, about the science. <clears throat> she tweeted about a study from a respected doctor showing that the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are actually only about 50% effective against the Delta variant. And she wrote, quote, important growing body of evidence on the reduced effectiveness of mRNA vaccines against Delta infections. That's all she wrote. Do you know who she is, by the way, besides the senator? You probably haven't heard of her. Let me read from her bio. The Honorable Judith Siegman is an epidemiologist, health researcher, and social services advisor who was appointed to the Senate of Canada on August 27, 2009. Oh, an epidemiologist, you know that means someone who studies epidemics, right? Pandemics, that sort of thing. And um, she simply said we need to pay attention to this troubling research. And her tweet was deleted within a day. I, I thought it would be, so I took a photo of it before she took it down. Um, did Erin O'Toole order her to delete that innocuous tweet? She's a senator. He can't fire her. She's an epidemiologist, she's an expert, and she didn't say anything other than, hey, look at this study, let's pay attention to this issue. Um, but that's too much for Erin O'Toole, I guess. Erin O'Toole is firing candidates who care about civil liberties, like Jonah Smith. It looks like he's telling senators to shut up. He's going further than ever, further than Theresa Tam and Justin Trudeau have, in his love for vaccine passports. I don't know if Erin O'Toole believes any of this himself. Uh, or if he's just worried about getting on the wrong side of the CBC and the media party, who are nuts about the pandemic. I think Aaron O'Toole doesn't really believe in anything too deeply. He just does what he thinks the media wants him to do, the media party, which is why he's for the carbon tax, which is why he's for open borders, mass immigration, um, which is why he hasn't said a word about Justin Trudeau and Stephen Gilbo and their massive censorship plans and which is why he's firing his own candidates for worrying about vaccine passports, as they should worry. I think Aaron O'Toole's going to lose the election and probably lose 20 conservative MPs riding. My only question for the 100 or so MPs who will survive his disastrous leadership is just how far are they willing to go down his 
bizarre policy path now to please him. Because when he loses in six weeks, when he's no longer leader, those surviving MPs will still be stuck with whatever they say in the next month or so on the subject. They shouldn't go down with his ship. They should live to fight another day as conservatives or they'll lose as his party will as liberals. Stay with us for more. Welcome back. Well, Jonas Smith, I have to tell you, I've never met him, um, but he seems like a really good guy. Uh, seems like a great Yukoner. Seems like he's involved in public life. And I have to tell you, I was impressed with the way he talked about civil liberties. You just don't hear that, that language, that vocabulary anymore. And, and maybe there's other things I don't know about him. I'm sure there are. But for a guy to talk about how we have to not divide ourselves and and protect minorities, not just racial or religious minorities, but, you know, medical minorities or, or conscientious objectors. I, I'm going to say I found his comments almost touching. And for him to be sacked, to be defenestrated, to use the fancy word, thrown out of a window with no notice, warning, appeal, or explanation other than you had wrong think, I think that bodes poorly for the Conservative Party. Joining me now to talk about this is one of our favorite guys, Andrew Lawton with True North. Andrew, welcome to the show. I have in front of me your new article, Conservatives Bar Former MP and Leadership Candidate Pierre Lemieux from running. So it's not just Jonas Smith, it's Pierre Lemieux, and there's other candidates too. First of all, welcome. Second of all, tell me what you think's going on. Well, it's concerning. And, you know, the Pierre Lemieux one is interesting. Here's a guy who took a, a riding that hadn't been conservative since the 1950s, Glengarry Prescott Russell, in Ontario in 2006. And then he increased his margin in 2008 and 2011. And like a lot of conservative MPs, lost in 2015, tried to reclaim it in 2019, wasn't successful, wanted to run again this time around. And the party said, no, our rules say that if you lose twice in a row, you can't run a third time. Okay, rules are rules. Except the rules also let a candidate get a waiver from that, which has been given in other cases, such as with Costas Menegakis in Richmond Hill. So the party very specifically did not allow a three-time MP to run. You may say, well, What's the deal? He's a social conservative. And given what's happened with Derek Sloan, what we've seen happen with other social conservative nomination candidates, even without evidence, it's fair to ask the question of, of does, does him fitting into that ideological section of the party have a role in him not being allowed to run? And I, I've had a lot of backlash, and I know you get this as well, Ezra, from people that say, well, you know, defeating Trudeau has to be the first priority. We can't write these stories that, that start looking like conservative infighting. If you don't like the dirty laundry being aired, stop dirtying the laundry is my mm. take on this. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is what's frustrating about Aaron O'Toole is he if he disagrees with someone or if he regards him as a leadership rival or as someone stealing more sunshine than him, he... He deals with them not by reforming them or finding a special mission for them or even giving them busy work. Um, he just silences them or tries to kick them out. He had Jim Carahelios, another leadership candidate, kicked out for saying mean things about him in the leadership. Well, 
you know, you, if, you, if you can't handle that, you're probably not going to do well against the liberal war machine. And, and even Pierre Polyev, I think it's widely acknowledged he was demoted from finance critic because he was shining too brightly and he made Aaron O'Toole look dull by comparison. I mean, this Pierre Lemieux, I don't know him, but if he could take a riding that for 60 years has been liberal and he won it a few times and they're finding this excuse not to run again, I don't know, I just don't know how many people you can purge and still call yourself a big tent. I mean, he, he, O'Toole says he's for a big tent, but anyone who thinks a bit different than him or anyone who's a little more conservative than him gets thrown out of that tent pretty quick. Yeah, and again, I, I mean, there's a disorganization aspect here, too. In, in, the, in the case of Pierre Lemieux, he filed his papers in January, and just on August 6th, last week, was told no. So you got to wonder, why are they stringing him along? We see this happening in Ontario politics as well. Stella Ambler, a, a former federal conservative MP, uh, was approved as a nomination candidate, and then the Ontario PCs decided to scrap the nomination and appoint someone anyway. So there are a lot of very legitimate questions here as to what the end game in all of this is. If you don't want to have open nominations and you want to have handpicked candidates that are going to hew to the leader's positions, that's fine. Just own it. Just yeah. own it and say, this is who we are. That's yeah. what Justin Trudeau has done. And for the yeah. most part, it's worked for him. He doesn't yeah. even bother promising open democratic nominations. He just says, these are the people we want. This is what they have to think. And the media gives him a pass on it. Yeah. The conservatives it seems like are trying to have the best of both worlds here. They're mm -hmm. trying to say, yes, we're an open big tent party, but then if the wrong person wins, they have to quickly pivot and adjust that. Yeah. And I got to tell you, in a lot of these cases, I don't think that these guys being thrown out are the wrong person. I mean, maybe I'm a little enamored with this Jonah Smith in the Yukon, but boy, a guy talking that um, thoughtfully about civil liberties doesn't seem like uh, the wrong guy to me. Um, I don't know. I just I'm disappointed by that. I have a theory, and it's that it's that Aaron O'Toole doesn't really hate these guys. He's served with some of them in Parliament before. Some of them have been even in cabinet with him before, uh, under Stephen Harper. He doesn't hate them. Uh, he's not even ideologically appalled by them. I think Aaron O'Toole is just so terrified about what the Mean Girls think. And by that, I'm joking. I'm, I'm referring to the CBC and the Globe and Mail and the Toronto Star and their Ottawa press gallery that has such a clique, so much peer pressure to think a certain way. I think that, you know, throwing out Jonas Smith, oh my God, we have to get rid of him because the CBC loves vaccine passports so much. Or, oh my God, we got to get rid of Pierre Lemieux because he's too socially conservative for the Toronto Star. I don't even think that it's Aaron O'Toole's own views. I think he's trying to guess what the media party wants him to say and preempt them because he just doesn't want them to be mean to him, which they're going to be anyways. No, I would agree with that. And even the, the fourth wave alarmism we've been seeing from the conservatives in the last week of, oh, it's so dangerous to have an election in the Delta-driven fourth wave. Uh, or maybe it was American Airlines, Delta, I can't remember, but I get my variants mixed up. But if they're doing that, I don't think they're true believers in that. I, I think that they see that as being the cudgel they can use against Justin Trudeau. But it's the same here. I, I don't think that they actually have an issue with these people. I, I've talked to a lot of people on Aaron O'Toole's campaign. I know they're solid conservatives, 
but conservatives tend to that with a capital C, the conservative party tends to default into fear and panic. We saw this with Andrew Scheer's campaign in 2019, where Andrew Scheer, who's been, you know, a former uh, reformer from out in the prairies, uh, you know, he's on side on a lot of these issues. But but once he's in that position, it, it immediately goes into what's the safest, blandest, most banal thing we can say. Uh, and, and and that tends to be dogma for conservative campaigns. Yeah. Let me ask you about vaccine passports, because Quebec uh, is talking about bringing theirs in in just a few weeks. Manitoba has sort of a proto passport. It's like an ID card. Uh, we learned today we actually got an email from, uh, that was leaked to us from the military that the Canadian Armed Forces are bringing in their own kind of vax passport. So they're coming. We see Toronto mayor calling for it. I think they're coming. And I don't think it's been debated within the Conservative Party properly. Obviously, it hasn't been debated in Parliament. So Aaron O'Toole firing Jonas Smith from the Yukon is sort of a policy statement in a way. Do you think the Conservative Party of Canada supports vaccine passports? And, and maybe answer, do you think the leader does? Do you think the MPs and senators do? And do you think the grassroots members do? Because right now... That's the state of the art. The party fires you if you're a skeptic. What do you think? Well, I certainly don't think the grassroots members do, and I, I would say most of the caucus doesn't as as well. But the problem is, is that it's increasingly, and this is a, a danger seeming like a lot of Canadians do. And the Liberals, I, I think, are going to run with this as a wedge issue. I don't know if you saw the Globe and Mail editorial uh, this morning, yes to vaccine mandates, yes to vaccine passports. Mm. Now, this is a, a media outlet in Canada saying, Vaccines should be mandatory. We should have to prove we're vaccinated. And that's kind of an uncontroversial position to a lot of the media party types. So I yeah. do think that it's going to be positioned as a wedge issue for conservatives. My danger here, I don't know if you also saw Francois Legault, he was asked why not debate the plan to put in vaccine passports. And he said that he doesn't want to debate it because doing so could allow some people to share conspiracy theories <laughs> with Quebecers. So there's a free speech component here too. It's not just that you're expected to support vaccine passports. It's now one of these many issues that we're not even allowed to discuss. There's mm -hmm. a correct position that the overseers have set out and anyone who deviates from that must be censored, at least in Quebec. You know, it's funny. I'm, I, I mean, the Globe and Mail editorial, I really don't care what some anonymous Globe editorial writers think. I know Aaron O'Toole does. But one of the issues they've been obsessed with for uh, years is, I think it's called Bill 21 in Quebec, which is the secular law that if you work in the public mm -hmm. sector, you can't have an ostentatious or conspicuous religious accoutrement. So, for example, you can't wear a hijab. You can't wear a big cross, I imagine. You can't um, have a Jewish Yarmulke, I guess. I don't know all the details of the rule. Um, the Globe and Mail has been ferociously opposed to that for years, citing the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And fine, I mean, I, I get the other side of that. Personally, I want a secular, uh, nonpartisan public sector, but I can understand why people say you can have reasonable accommodation and allow a Yarmulke or a Sikh turban or a hijab. I see both sides, frankly, and I, and I can think about 100 issues I'd rather talk about than that in terms of importance. But the Globe and Mail has made it their signature issue. And because they're so, they care so much about the Charter of Rights for minorities. Okay, good. Appreciate that. 
and then they come out saying, I don't care if you have a medical reason, I don't care if you have a religious reason, a conscientious reason, vaccine passports, or you're not even allowed in private sector establishments like restaurants and gyms and bars. I just don't know how these Toronto fancy pants can have in their same mind, we must allow hijab, Sikh turbans and yarmulkes in the public sector, but you're not even allowed to be a conscientious objector, religious objector, or medical objector in the private sector, and that's fine charter-wise. I just don't know how they're such acrobats to hold both of those uh, irreconcilable positions at once. I just don't even know. Well, if I may, I, I think it's because they're not actually reaching either of those positions through an assessment of freedom. Even the opposition of, of Bill C-21, they may cloak their concerns in charter language and constitutional liberties language, but their actual basis is diversity and multiculturalism. Mm -hmm. They're not using freedom as the foundation for that argument because they don't view these things through that lens at all. So when it comes right. to vaccine passports, the civil liberties aspect doesn't factor in at all. They're thinking of we need to get to this COVID zero outcome, the consequences on individual choice be damned, and, and this is how we're going to do it. Yeah, you're so right on that. Listen, it's great to see you again. There's so many ways people can enjoy your stuff. Andrew Lawton Show, that's your regular show. Appreciate that. TNC.news. We love True North. We think you guys are wonderful. And you just came out with your new video documentary, called Assaulted, and that's at assaulted.ca. That's about gun control, am I right? Yes, and very timely with the liberals uh, trying to further encroach on the rights and livelihoods of law-abiding gun owners. So it's a four-part series that we produced over the last few months that is out in its entirety now. Well, that's great. You know, folks, we love the fact that you're watching us here at Rebel News, and I appreciate the eight bucks a month you pay us for this show, but do yourself a favor and subscribe to TNC.news. I bet you do already. And check out Andrew's show. And and I got to watch Assaulted, too. I, I know about it. I know it's there. I've just seen a little bit of it. I got to make the time you for it. You donated to it. Your name's in the credits. You know what? I, 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 I donate a little bit here and there where I can to TNC. Thank you for the shout out. You guys are so rare. And there, I can count on one hand's fingers the number of independent journals, Black Locks, in Ottawa, that's a small uh, group there. So I just think it's so important that we got to support the few independent voices left. And Andrew's just such a, a great one, so we thank you. Good to see you, my friend. Have a good weekend. And you. All right, there you have it, Andrew Lawton. Stay with us more. Well, folks, that's the end of the show. Uh, it's pretty much um, accepted that this Sunday, Justin Trudeau will call the election. I think that's almost a certainty. As I mentioned the other day, I've started seeing liberal ads online. Uh, they apparently started running a bit early. Uh, liberal candidates are in campaign mode, opening offices, getting their literature ready. So it's coming. Um, I think it's gonna be a, a quick election I mean, it's a fixed number of days, but I don't think it's going to be very eventful. I think Justin Trudeau will win. I think the Conservatives will lose support. I think Maxime Bernier will pick up a few points from disaffected Conservatives. I don't think Derek Sloan got his new party quite together in time, but I think that so many demoralized Conservatives are going to stay home and vote for those alternative parties. 
And I think the media will ensure that their boy, Justin Trudeau, is carried across the finish line, even though he's been a disastrous prime minister. In short, I think that six weeks from now, we're going to have a stronger Justin Trudeau, a weaker Conservative Party, and there's not going to be any real champions for freedom out there. I'm very upset about things, but I promise you that at Rebel News, we will continue to fight for freedom, both journalistically and as we do increasingly in the court of law. Hopefully, we'll be able to preserve what's best about Canada that way. That's our show for today. I'll see you on Monday. On behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom. Thank you.